Inside Vegas is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast, as well as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Use promo code SGP50 to receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Inside Vegas is also brought to you by OddShark. OddShark has the latest betting trends available nowhere else, as well as betting picks from their supercomputer. Check out all of their quality content and betting trends at OddShark.com. What up, what up? CP here with another episode of Inside Vegas, number 15. I hope you guys all had a great Kentucky Derby, uh, taking some information from all the SGP content that's out there. Uh, Justify coming in for the sixth time in a row as a favorite. Uh, obviously, Ryan and Sean had their podcast on with Monique as more of an in-depth derby look. Um, mine with Monique was more of a how do you handicap as a whole betting philosophies and the market of horse racing. Uh, but it's kind of cool to see, you know, so many people get into, again, I know it's a little bit different in that it's such a public event with the Triple Crown events and everything like that. But it's cool to see everyone get into kind of a niche market that we tried to help and, and outline and put some quality stuff out there and including the Inside Vegas podcast. Um, so I hope maybe you guys learned a couple things about how to, you know, make some money within that market. But shifting gears and continuing on in this niche handicapping series, uh, which is actually coming to an end. Uh, next week will probably be uh, a recap show to uh, talk about everything, kind of lessons learned and kind of how you can apply that into everyday betting and whatever market it is uh, and just kind of going through everything. And I don't think there's a ton more out there as far as the niche markets go. Um, soccer is one that we explored, but there's just there's so many things to do with soccer. We could have a handicapper on, talk about every, you know, 40 different soccer leagues. Um, so that one's kind of, you know, a, a bigger uh, issue to tackle. But I think it, uh, the series went really well. Um, and again, not to dig too far into what the recap episode will be, um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, for this week's episode, we have Jeff Nady on from Sportsbook Review to talk about small-time college basketball and college basketball markets. And if you're thinking that's not a niche market, um, well, what makes it different is the teams that we're talking about. And a notorious, notorious wise guy, professional better uh, kind of way to attack college basketball are or is these small-time market schools. I'm talking Division One A, Division One AA, the FCS, Division Two, even. Um, and, and breaking that down even further, I mean, Youngstown State, for example, uh, you know, uh, UNH, New Hampshire, Weber, Bradley, uh, Stony Brook, Richmond, Townsend, you know, all these small-time schools. Uh, and the reason for that is, is a couple of different reasons. One, um, there's over 300 teams in Division One basketball, right? Uh, college basketball. So the bookmaker has to, in theory, hang a line for every single one of them. And why professionals find this market so appealing and kind of gain an engine to it is, to be frank, bookmakers there's not enough time in the day. Uh, there's only 24 hours in a day. And even if that's outsourced to a computer to kind of put into context everything of how long this would take to for them to come up with a good number on, you know, the, like I said, the Richmonds, Delaware, UNH, Elons of the world, when they have to sit there and worry about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars coming in on these blue bar programs, you know, example of when Duke would play North Carolina, for example. Well, if that game's on the board and there's 10 other top 25 matchups, not to mention everything else, you know, all your ACC, SEC, all those type of programs, are they really putting a ton of time into a game that is, you know, Howard versus Hampton, for example? And so professionals have done very, very well in this market for a very long time. Uh, and so I thought it was a great kind of way to explore, you know, put a different twist on a, a very active and public market within college basketball. Uh, so again, I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. Uh, and without further ado, this is Jeff Nadeau of Sportsbook Review, talking small-time college basketball programs. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, the one and only big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau of Sportsbook Review. One of, my, one of the most controversial people I know out there. I'd say polarizing <laughs> is the word, but nonetheless, one of my absolute favorites out there, bro. And how are you today on this, this Sunday morning? This will be out on Monday. So how was your weekend, man? 
quite possibly the best intro I've ever had. Christian, I'm doing well. How are you, man? Good, brother. Good. It's a nice day in the desert, and, and you're out in Philly these days, right? Yeah, Philly. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of in the 60s. It's wet. It's it's rainy. So yeah, we're uh, we're trying to like get between spring and summer here. It's kind of been 81 day, 60 another. So yeah, we're just moving on to summer, man. Trying to get there. I hear you, bro. It's 100 here all week, so things happen. Oof. So yeah, it, it's here quick, man. So summer's here before you know it. But the reason that above all everything else that you're on here besides the weather, is the niche handicapping series that we've been doing on here. Now, we've covered everything from uh, UFC handicapping to tennis all the way to WWE. And one thing that we kind of got talking about between ourselves is the small-time college basketball programs, whether that was Division 1A, Division 2, you know, D1 that were just lower level schools that maybe the common college basketball fan that only kind of bets conference tournaments, the weathers, the weather, all that stuff doesn't really um, know about. And this has been something of a notorious kind of uh, a wise guy, a sharp thing to bet for so long in that, you know, the thought process was always that they, they don't have time to set the odds on, you know, 200 games, but we can, you know, they have to set a line for everything, but we don't have to bet everything. We can kind of pick and choose our spots. And that's something that's been around for, you know, a thought process has been around forever is, is really is what it seems like uh, within Las Vegas and Las Vegas bookmaking. Um, so how did you kind of get your start into betting, you know, kind of specializing in this? And again, I know you kind of bet everything and not everything, but, you know, this is kind of where your niche lies uh, on top of the big sports. But what was kind of your introduction and, and kind of your story into how you kind of found this, this you know, market uh, profitable? Well, I, I think for me, Christian, I've always enjoyed basketball, particularly, you know, I was growing up the NBA, you know, Allen Iverson, people like that. But then, you know, I really started to get into college basketball just because I, I loved it. I loved the passion and everything that was there with it. And I really just fell in love with it. I, I kind of said to myself, you know what, I'm going to try to find for me, like you've discussed niches, I'm going to find my niche. And you know, I loved college basketball. I always wanted to kind of know everything. And I'm a sponge. I, I grab any information I can. And I really just from Christian, November to April, my life is college basketball. I, I I don't do anything else. I literally will start, you know, right now on next year. You know, I'm literally, and, and it's so cool because I can find out so much information and I feel like I have a good work ethic. I could just work harder than other people. And for me, it was just a love of basketball, really. And, and I always just kind of, I love the fact that there's so many teams, you know, I can kind of focus on things that maybe others aren't. I think that's obviously important when you're betting a sport to have an edge. You have to you know, where better to go than a sport with 351 teams and, you know, their beginning of the season, they don't know anything more than I do. So I feel like if I put the work, put the time in, uh, I'm going to have a, a pretty good advantage early on. And you know, that's just kind of where I've been with it. It's just been a love of basketball for me. And you're really kind of knowing the game and getting into schematics and things like that. There, there's so many ways you can um, kind of have an edge in basketball that you might not have in other sports. Exactly, man. And for somebody that doesn't, like for myself, I there's only enough hours in the day, right? And when you put that much time in, you kind of have to give up something, right? And so as far as, you know, being a hand, handicapper and stuff like that, and I just, I don't have the time. Uh, hockey and basketball, both college and NBA were kind of, you know, until the playoffs, were the ones that I had to choose to, to kind of give up. But I just, I, I couldn't do it. And it's not that I don't enjoy the product and you can say what you want about the NBA or college, you know, those two, which one's better. And, and I know you have an opinion on that and everything, but what I want to kind of, why did you, you know, how did you discover that about these lower level teams that kind of increased your edge and everything like that? Well, I, I think, you know, it was just kind of, I, I think in any sport and particularly in the college ranks, you know, most people don't, don't care. It's just a really of people don't care. So for me, I thought, you know what? And I do this in really every sport, Christian, whether it's soccer or basketball or whatever. I don't necessarily want to focus on the big boys because that's where everyone's focused. Uh, Everyone cares about Kansas and Duke and Villanova. For me, it's more of I want to try to get to a place where I don't think someone in Las Vegas knows anything about South Dakota. I think a lot of the time they're guessing. uh, They're really just putting lines out that a computer makes or or, uh, it's really rudimentary, but it's just I don't. I want to focus on something where I don't think the odds makers are, uh, and I don't think there's any way early on, particularly in a season in non-conference, you know anything more than I do. So I feel like we're on a level playing field. It might be the one or two months where I'm on a level playing field, and then I look later in the year when I get conference tournaments starting, that small little sliver of time after the season ends and March Madness begins, you have a conference tournament in every single conference, Atlantic Sun, you know, this really small conferences. 
say, we're back to the same old playing field. They're and I, books and I are on the same playing field. They don't know any more than I do. I've watched these teams. I literally make it a point, Christian, to go through every single team, one to 351, know something about that team, know what offense they run, know what defense they run, know their personnel. Um, I just, for me, it, it's, it's kind of an adventure of going through every team and, you know, kind of being a, a step above or on a level playing field. Because let's be honest, we're not always on a level playing field with the books as far as knowing what they're thinking. I just think with it, it's very rudimentary, but I just think, you know, they're not focusing on it. It's that simple. And again, they have to prioritize things, right? And I know that sure. that um, books outsource their lines now. That's no secret. There's not really a book in town that hangs their own lines. Uh, inside Las Vegas, uh, past the South Point anymore. The South Point's the last one that doesn't outsource their lines. Chris Andrews and Jimmy Vicaro are the only ones that make their own lines in Las Vegas now. And with Offshore... And kind of that boom that's happened, uh, Vegas, for lack of a better term, is going off offshore. And if somebody, you know, even within Las Vegas has, you know, their computer or their outsourced odds maker spits out a minus eight, but everywhere else in town is a minus six, you know, at most, maybe they'll be minus seven, minus six and a half, just because they don't want that disparity. Uh, which is always going to go back to the fact that books don't want to get middled, which I never really understood because you can only get middled at your own shop or your own, you know, if two CGT properties are wildly different, that's how, you know, that affects a one company's bottom line. But if a Caesars property and, you know, the South Point are two different numbers, it's impossible for you to get middled. So I, I never really understood that. And I know it's kind of, you know, a giving an edge to the player that the books can't have uh, kind of principle thing, but I, I still never understood that. And that's what I want to talk about because with these small market schools that you touched on that they have to hang lines for, one, where do you think that they are getting their lines for? Um, and I just want to speak about, you know, kind of the market because most of these these teams, these South Dakotas, you know, uh, Mississippi Valleys, all these places, they're they're very they're added games for lack of a better term, right? So there's usually a little bit lower of a limit size uh, and everything like that. But where do you even think that they're getting their lines from if they are not sitting down and watching these small time schools in Idaho and and yeah. South Dakota and all that type of stuff? I, is it just computer outsourced or what? I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think they're just going off what you know whoever's the the baseline of creating the line. Are you talking about them or the actual you know in Vegas and stuff like that? I, I, I would think that they're like you said outsourcing or some computers coming up with the line just from all the different things they go through. I'll be real Christian and this is I might get I might get a lot of crap for saying this. I don't know if I can swear so I don't want to say. No, anything. no, you're fine, bro. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I might get shit for saying this. I'll be real with you. I don't. I don't buy Ken Palm. I don't buy any of that line shit. I, I don't do none of that. I'm a, I'm a straight info guy. I go where the source is. I go to a program. I want to find something out. I find it out. The biggest thing about this business to me, it's not about these guys that make lines. It's not about it – none of that means nothing to me. I go to the source. I find the source. I find – a player's Twitter. I find a beat writer. Every school is a beat writer. It's not difficult. Every every, every coach Christian does, mo at least most of them do a like a thirty minute show before their game. They'll talk about who's playing, who's not, um, you know, who's in who's in trouble, who's not. All of them do that. I sit there after most of these games, Christian, and literally listen to the news conference on some small radio station in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You know, all that stuff, this, this, this business is really just about time. If you can sit there and just get the most information you can, you can do really well at it. I don't, I don't buy any line services. I don't buy any Ken Palms or none of that crap. I literally just put more time in than everybody else. And that's all I do. I literally entrench myself in this. And, and as far as who creates line, I don't know. I, I would imagine it's computer sourced. And that's where, for me, I think we're all going back to the same point. They don't know anything more than I do. This sharp, square stuff don't mean nothing to me because to me, the info that I'm getting, the info that I'm finding, it's sharp as anybody. It, it, I don't – it's just time, man. I know I might be jumbled in what I'm saying, but at the end of the day, I literally say to myself, you know, this is my life for the next four months. And not a lot of people can do that. A lot of people want to bet other sports and do all kind of other stuff. Do I bet on this word? Sure, but my main love affair is college basketball, and I'm going to try to dedicate all my time to that. No, you're not jumbled in what you're saying, man, because the thing that has kind of come out of this uh, niche handicapping series that we've that we've done and kind of lessons learned and stuff is that the, the most successful people that specialize in one area – 
Well, yeah, it's passion, but they also dabble in other areas. They don't dedicate their life to only doing this because they think that there's something to be gained from learning the markets of other sports. So just because you are, you know, so deep and enthralled within the college basketball, that doesn't, you know, this is a market and it's fluid. And, and I don't want to say the market's the same because that's not true, but the philosophy of the market of how money will move, you know, all that stuff is the same. And so the most successful people that bet a niche sports uh, specialty also are betting other sports because you need that market experience over time. And again, that comes back to time. And it's a matter of exactly that. Like you said that some people can dedicate different, you know, time and money and resources into this. And some people have, you know, that day job and, and that's, you know, that's the more recreational side of things. And this is kind of, you know, a deeper dive into watching film on, on all these small time schools. But you said something interesting that, you know, that there's not a lot of people betting this. And, and that's what I want to bring up next when we talk about the market, because as an added game, again, there's not a lot of interest outside of professionals uh, to bet this. Uh, so how does that affect what you do? Because, you know, the NBA is notorious for being able to make money if you go contrarian. If you just fade the public, you're going to make money year after year after year. College basketball is a little bit similar than that, especially within the primetime stuff. Uh, but for this, you know, where, you know, $1,000 may move the market a point and a half, two points, whereas that's going to take, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 for a primetime North Carolina Duke game. Uh, how do you, how do you kind of navigate that where that kind of outlet, I don't want to say it's not available to you, but how is it different where it's such short uh, limits and they're added games and stuff like that, where you can't really get a, a great handle. Whereas, you know, a Kansas city Duke game may have 40, 50, 60,000 uh, tickets, but you know, South Dakota and North Dakota may have literally 70 tickets. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because to me, there's Christian three levels of, of college basketball. There's the, the high level programs who you know, you know, ACC, SEC, those kind of teams. Then there's the middle tier, your 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 Summit League, your South Dakotas, your IPFW, that kind of group, that mid major group, kind of the you know the 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 Creightons before they were Creighton, you know, those kind of teams. And then you have your real added games, your end of the year or beginning of the year stuff. Where let's say you mentioned Mississippi Valley State, they're an interesting team, a team like that out of the SWAC or maybe Coppin State out of the MEAC, you know, and I know they are pay for play programs. Basically at the beginning of the year, their goal is to basically go to big institutions and say, listen, we need to fund our athletic program. Basketball is our way to do it. How much will you give us to go and get our ass kicked in, in, in Spokane or, or, or wherever they go? And then they'll set a number. And those teams and those games are always going to be on the board. There are very few places that are going to offer them right at the beginning of the year. Your Oregon's against Savannah States. A lot of books don't offer those or, or they offer them for limited amounts of time. And those lines are going to move crazy. I see. I saw lines last year that are moving 13, 14, 15 points. Um, I, I think it's just getting out in front of them, betting them as soon as they come out. Obviously, that's important. Bet Online, uh, one of the offshore books, they do a, a pretty decent job at getting lines out early. Um, there are certain books that are doing that. And listen, if you're missing the the openers, you're you're you know you're obviously not going to make any money. You have to bet them as soon as possible, as soon as they come out. And that's what for me, Christian. That's where the info comes back. I don't need to sit there and cap a game when Oregon comes out against Savannah because I almost know. I almost know the teams already, so I don't need to sit there and cap. I can hit them right away. I already know. And that's where information comes in. That's where preparing yourself for the season comes in. I'm already every day sitting here and going through every transfer, where they're going, because that's the biggest thing about these, these gamblers, these kids that are betting college basketball. They're just not doing the little things as far as like, hey, this coach is gone. They have a new coach or, hey, their best player left and now he's you know at another team. Just personnel stuff. But I think obviously betting those kind of games early and knowing the different levels because you're going to see a lot of teams early in the season that in the middle you're not going to see and then they're going to come back at the end of the year. So it's really just about – you know, understanding every team, the personnel and, and where they are in, in the pecking order, because probably 40 percent of college basketball, you only see at the beginning and at the end, you know, your Southland Conference, your whack, your Grand Canyon type of team. You're only going to see them at the beginning of the year and at the end just because they only put out added games at the beginning and end of the year. So I think the big thing is hitting those games early because they're going to move. It's a good team against a really low level team. The dredges of the division one against the top levels of division one. It's really just about hitting those early because if you're going to bet them, they're going to move. And is that kind of a rule of thumb? Um, again, I don't want to simplify this because I realize that there's a ton of more work yeah. on, on your end that, that goes into that, but is it mostly, 
um, the favorites come out a little bit too short when they should be laying, you know, 30, 40, and they're only laying 15? Um, or is there well, no, no value it, in underdogs sometimes? It's not necessarily that. It's more of like I said, like, uh, for, for instance, there was a game last year. Um, it's This is really how kind of low I get as far as where I'm looking. Uh, Mercer uh, out of the uh, Atlantic uh, – uh, the Southern Conference down in uh, the southern area of the United States played a team called uh, Christian Chacoa Falls. Chacoa Falls is a, a very low level. I believe they're NAIA, which is below Division Three. Um, they basically, for whatever reason, play a lot of these higher end teams in the SoCo. They, they just want to, I guess, get better as an institution, and you know they want to they want to broaden their athletic program, so they take these games. Um, they laid a number out at that. At, at that game at 50. Okay. Yep. Now for, for me, I said, I had that at like 65. Like I would have laid 65. Okay? <laughs> I mean it's that. so funny when you talk about these big numbers like that, you know, like people aren't used to seeing that besides, you well, know, the Alabamas Christian, of the world with, with an NCAA day, football, you know, but at the end of the day, it's really just coming down to do how many points do I think this team will score? And, and hypothetically, I see them scoring 40 maybe. Mm-hmm. And I say to myself, well, how many do I think Mercer will score? I mean, it's just really about numbers at that point. So for me, I, I set the number at 65, and I would have been comfortable laying 65. Now, for most people, that's that's unbelievable. They would never lay a number like that. They put this number out at 50. I'm thinking 50. I mean, that that's 15 points lower than what I had it at. I'm going to hit that right away. I think by closing, it was up towards like 55, 57. I mean, it, you know – it's very, it's very quick. There's a small window, and as you know, better any any number, you know, hitting it immediately is quick. But you have to be able to kind of know those teams. You don't have to. You can kind of process in your head and say, "I got to hit this now." So it's just little things. You really just finding those those kind of spots, you know. And there are not a lot of books that offer that. Go to Vegas and see if they offered that game last year. I guarantee you they didn't. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of the time just finding books that will offer that kind of stuff and certain books do a nice job of, of putting those lines out. Yeah. I mean, it's all about outlets at the end of the day. Right. And, uh, again, this is something, this topic is, uh, I'm so glad that we kind of started talking and bringing this up because this is such a notoriously professional and, and sh- you know, quote unquote, sharp based, uh, way of betting things. Um, and again, the philosophy has always been that they have to set a line for everything, um, but we don't have to bet everything and we can pick and choose our spots and, and kind of, you know, that's our one and, advantage. And Christian, bookmaker. Christian, quickly, as you're kind of on that subject, I think it's also important to kind of, and I'd love to talk sometimes with a bookmaker about this, you know, like a Jimmy Vicar and ask him on, I don't know if there's like a threshold where they just won't go above a certain number. And I, I guess there is because there's a league, the summit league, it, it's kind of the, uh, you know, the Minnesotas, the, the South Dakota area, you know, the kind of the upper Midwest where you know, you're dealing with kind of those, you know, those South Dakota, the, the, the IPFW type teams. And I found kind of a chink in their armor a year or two ago where they're constantly putting out totals where it caps it at like 155. And they seem to never go over that number. And, and I started hitting this, you know, early in the year, you know, the South Dakota State games, Mike Dom, that team, where they're literally putting every number out at 149 and a half, no matter who they're playing. And it was coming in at a crazy number at level every time. Every game they put out is coming in, and they just never seemed to move it. They did it in the CAA as well. Uh, you know, the the conference with, with the Towson, Hofstra, um, Charleston, that area. They were only putting those totals at a certain number, and they never seemed to deviate or go up higher. In certain sports, you know, obviously in the professional sports, if someone's hitting something you know, they're going to move the line to a point where like if Clayton Kershaw's is, is consistently hitting at two thirty. I mean, towards the end of the year, it's going to be up to four or 500. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't want money on it. They're not doing that in college basketball. They're setting a certain number. And I don't think they ever deviate from that, which I find interesting. And I'd like to know why, because if something continues to being beat, that just goes to show you right there. They just don't seem to care much about it because they're just throwing a number out and they're not really deviating away from that number ever. I think it goes back to limit size. I really do. And again, I don't know what, exactly. the, what the limits are on, um, you know, kind of these outlets and these offshore books that you have. Um, not again, not that these books are exclusive to you, but you need to, you know, put in the work to find out where you can get these, these type of things. Um, but I think it, it goes back to the fact that if they're only going to take, you know, two, $300 on this game, I think that they're kind of okay, you know, taking a small position if they have, you know, $1,500 in liability on these two, uh, small time conference schools, but yet they have, you know, they just won 40,000 
$10,000 on an NFL Sunday. And I'm fine with that. And right. that's exactly where I want to be as a better. I don't want to be involved with the big time stuff. I, I just want to go in. I'm not, you know, my the way I bet is not going to affect the bottom line of the book. I'm going in. I'm doing my thing. I'm getting out. I don't want to. I don't. These people that want to be, you know, you know, they want to be public enemy number one. They want to be. You know, I bet millions of dollars. You know, I don't. I, listen. Let me make my living. Let me do my thing. Don't make money. You know, make money. Don't make headlines. That's that's kind of what I want to do. I know I've established kind of a a persona on the internet of you know kind of a brash, abrasive kind of person. But for me, I do different shows and stuff. So that's kind of just who I am. You know, I and for me, I just want to do my thing. On you know. Go in and do my bets. You know, I'm not going to raise any suspicion because I'm betting games that are low level. They're they're not stuff people care about. You know, and that's I'm fine being where I am. You ever that. seen the movie War Dogs? I have. Yeah, sure. you know right. when um when they're talking, and he's like, uh, this is you know with the government contract site, and he's like, oh, we yeah, we just take sure. the uh, take the crumbs. And he's like, this is yeah, the crumbs. exactly. They, yeah. That's because it's not going to you know no one's going to no one cares. You know, it's like if I'm consistently winning you know 300 a game on you know. Uh, low-level college basketball. It's not going to ever. No one. Uh, that's exactly where I want to be. I don't want to be up, you know, betting with all the other minions on you know Alabama and Auburn every you know or, or something like that. You know, I. But you know, there. It's funny because I knew before we started the show there are really good fade angles and fading the public on some of those bigger games. But you know, Christian, it's 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 really interesting that we're having this conversation because throughout the course of the year, I've noticed just simply looking at. Like the NCAA website on, you know, they basically tabulate stats anywhere from rebounds per game to, you know, assist to turnover ratio. They, they accumulate all 351 schools and they rank them on stats. And I did kind of some digging on the best against the spread teams in the country and certain different stats and how they translate to them covering the number. And you look at teams that are really good in free throw percentage, for instance, a team like Villanova, a team like Central Michigan. Teams like Notre Dame, those teams, year in and year out, you'd be surprised to learn they're they're also the best against the spread teams as well. You know, little nuggets of what actually matters in a basketball game. I mean, there's no secret now that basketball is a three-point shooting league or, you know, sport or wherever you're looking. Some of the best three-point defenses in the country are also some of the best against the spread teams in the country. It's very simple. A three-pointer is more than a two-pointer. So if you're a team, you need to defend the three-point line. Teams are more adept to shooting threes nowadays. It's very simple. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science here. Just finding those little things, you know, if you rebound the basketball offensively, you're going to cover numbers. You make foul shots at the end of the game, you're going to cover numbers. If you don't make foul shots and your team shoots 60%, it's going to be pretty pretty possible that you're one of the worst against spread teams in the country because that's everything at the end of a game. And if you're betting on teams that don't make free throws, you're going to set yourself up for failure. I couldn't agree more with you, brother. And I want to continue this conversation, but right now I just want to talk about MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And as always, we are always brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips and tricks from their supercomputer as well as picks you cannot find anywhere else. As you know, I've been a huge uh, Oddshark fan for so long. John Campbell, who does great work over there. Um, so shout out to Oddshark as always. But again, for I've, Phil... Uh, Go I've many... Uh, I bet many rough and rowdies on that website. <laughs> on uh, Oddshark? Oh, on uh, Bookie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the fact that they offer that stuff is, is absolutely awesome. They're uh, honestly, and I know they're a sponsor of, of uh, SGP in this show, but the level of props and of uh, kind of, I don't know what they're called, novelty props, entertainment props sure. that they have on there is, is absolutely awesome. And if you reach out, um, they can hang some specific stuff for you. Um, as an aside, uh, they're within Sean and Ryan's um, with their NFL show next year. Um, they're going to be hanging props on over under win totals for how many uh, Sean and Ryan I think give out. So they can um, they can definitely uh, work with anybody. And, and again, strongly encourage anyone to reach out to them. Uh, but uh, again, as you touched on philosophy, that's what I want to touch on next is the philosophy of handicapping a you know Townsend the same as you would handicap a Kansas just with a no. different amount of public um, you know bets uh, number of tickets and stuff like that. Or is there um, you know again just going back to you know how things kind of all correlated, right? If you have a uh, if you're a great rebounding team, you shoot free throws. Traditionally, you're going to be pretty good against the spread, three point shooting stuff, all that. That's apples to apples. Um, you know what kind of makes it apples and oranges, and kind of how you have to handicap different styles of teams and everything 
I think that's a great question. I think it's really, like I said, scenario-based. You know, if you're early in the season, I have no issue betting Kansas because Kansas is facing lower-level teams. Um, that, that's going to be a strictly, this team is way better than another team. Talent generally rides out. I mean, you look at how many top 25 teams lose to, you know, low-level opponents in the first three weeks of the season. It's, it's, it's pretty rare. But then again, once I get in a conference play, I would only strictly bet a lot of the time on the, the move of the line, you know, where it's going. And there's a notorious one in, in the Big 12, for instance, uh, getting a home team on the ESPN game generally that's basically not as equipped as the team they're facing. And that team is generally a top 10 ranked team on the road. So let's say a Kansas against Kansas State. Generally, they're going to throw a line out in the one to two range. And generally, Kansas State's going to be the favorite. Most public betters, as you know, are going to go towards Kansas. They're going to say to themselves, why is Kansas an underdog? Kansas State, they're ranked. Kansas State's not ranked. I almost exclusively bet that kind of stuff right. like the other one. Like, and that's that's when I'm going to bet the Kansas and stuff. That, that's when I'm interested. But no, it's really scenario-based on when I bet those and when I not. Towson the whole year, I'm going to bet Towson, whether they're, you know, those kind of schools, I'm always interested. There's not really a scenario where I'm not interested. Kansas is more picking and choosing during the season. Beginning of the season, I'm interested at just how good they are. Middle of the season, it didn't really matter how good or bad they are. I'm just going to look at the overall situation game to game and does that fit the criteria. Very simple. Right. And so that's what I wanted to bring up next is kind of the the stock market macro approach to these small-time schools. Um, you touched on uh, Townsend. And again, uh, forgive me for not knowing you know every school in Idaho and South Dakota and everything the way that you do. Sure. But is there certain teams that you will latch onto and kind of – I don't want to say blind oh, yeah. bet because I know you have – a number that you're comfortable with and you won't lay or, or you know, take more than that. Um, but is there, do you do it kind of, um, you know, you latch onto a team and either kind of fade or, or back them throughout the whole season, you know, as long as it's in within your number, or is it kind of just, um, you know, you have your power rankings for all these small schools when they go up against whoever it may be, whether it's each other or if it's a big time program, um, and kind of just how do you navigate that as far as betting or kind of, you know, the whole season or picking and choosing different teams and spots like that? No, I, I think that's a tough way to really bet college basketball. I think that's one of the biggest problems for a lot of betters and why they might get turned off by college basketball, just because, you know, I think the one thing you said was interesting. Sometimes you don't have enough time. And I think when, you know, college football kind of is moving, ending and basketball begins, you get a lot of influx of people who say, I'm going to bet college basketball, but it's so, there's so many teams. Where do I start? Look, if you start on a Saturday at 9am and you look at the card and you're just trying to pick, you're not going to do well. It's very difficult. You have to almost establish, and this is what I recommend to anyone that listens to me, establish your go-to groups, your go-to teams where, you know, if there's 30 games in the season, you're probably going to be on them 20 times. Uh, I mentioned South Dakota. They were a, a great bet uh, throughout the season, South Dakota. Uh, I mentioned IPFW. There, there are teams that in certain years, I mean, I do it in every sport though, really, Christian. If it's college football, uh, I'm very too. big. That's how I bet too. I'm very big into the yeah. macro betting and backing. Yeah. You know, I bet certain pitches in the first five market every single time they pitch. And at the end sure. of the year, when they, they, you know, I come out of the first five market, um, you know, 25 and 10, you know, that's when you take your profit at the end of the year. And people kind oh, of pick totally and right. choose. And that's how, that's what I wanted to see how kind of you attack the small time college basketball. Oh, stuff. I definitely, I definitely do that. I mean, there, there are schools that I'm notorious to bet on, you know, every year. I mean, I'm a big, um, I think, I think college football, the military schools, you know, I, I really like that group and, Those you know, in college basketball, it's yeah. Or, or just the fact that when you have a military, whether it's basketball, football, basketball is a little different because they're not as pronounced as in football, but, um, and, and that's obviously another story, but yeah, no, I definitely do that. And when it comes to totals on the same way, I mentioned some of the certain leagues that they don't move really the number in South Dakota state, the Jackrabbits, they were, they were a, 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 a perfect over team all year. You know, William and Mary, another team. You know, pace is obviously very important to overs, and you know, their paces are obviously high. But yeah, no, I, that's that's strictly the one way I do bet latching on to teams, and that's throughout all the sports. I do it in baseball. I mean, the Mar the Marlins and Orioles are bad teams, so I only know they're going to win sixty games. So if I bet against them every time. I'm going to make money. I mean, it's just the truth of the matter. Um, but yeah, basketball—that's that's huge. One I'm on. I, I, I'm very big on that. 
I couldn't agree more. And, and that's kind of how I bet exclusively now is the long-term approach into stuff. You know, when it comes to UFC, there's certain fighters that I will always back and there's certain ones that I will always fade. And if you can't do it, you know, if you, if you don't want to back a certain pitcher because the matchup is tough, you don't go to that first five under. But to me, it's all about creating a core group of, you know, people, fighters, guys, tennis players, um, you know, teams. That you, you know, it's a stock market. This is a market, make no mistake. So buying and selling is very real. Um, and so to me, that's what the most successful people have done um, for a very long time. Um, and, you know, people get so enamored with, you know, what they saw at recency bias, right? You know, fading recency bias is always, you know, something. But um, what's kind of your jumping off point if you decide to buy a team, you know, uh, like South Dakota and they, you know, start, they weren't who, you know, who you thought you were to quote Denny Green. Um, what did you have a jumping off point of when you'll kind of sell a team or, or, you know, when one team that you've decided to kind of fade within those lower limits have kind of changed themselves or they got transfers that you didn't see coming or, or anything like that? I, I think for me, like, I think that's another myth kind of for gamblers where most gamblers, like if they lose a game or two at the same team, they'll, and I made the mistake when I was betting early in the career that I had where I was, you know, if, a team lost to against row. I'm done with that team. They're right. on my note bet list. You know, um, you know, certain teams are just snake bitten for you, and that's fine. But um, no, I, I think it's important to go back to the well with teams because I think long term, the, the work that I've I've done, I think will win out, and I feel confident in that. Um, it's a good question. It's not presented a, a ton to me because there's, you know, and I think you have to know when to jump off. And I think a, a jumping off point is the end of the season. Really, I mean, you look at, and I'll continue to mention this. There was a about three years ago. Uh, Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne, IPFW, they were, when I say they were the, probably the best as far as money-making in one season, um, I'm not kidding. I mean, they were absolutely fantastic against the spread. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year, it the season ends. And I think the next year they were very average against the spread. It's just, I don't, I've never really in, encountered that where like during the year, they're just that horrendous where I just jump off. Um, I think every situation is different, but um, I'm willing to give the team multiple chances because that's the big myth uh, for a lot of gamers. They'll just jump off. And no no more evident, Christian, than and if I can quickly just mention, in the Premier League, you know, I bet the Premier League quite frequently, um, there's a team, Burnley, uh, that the bookmakers just keep putting out big plus money prices on them. For about four or five weeks in a row, I'm hitting three to one plays every week with this Burnley team. Towards the end of the year, they start slacking off. They're, they're not playing as well. They're drawing a lot. Um I've ridden them to the end. I bet them today. They got crushed. But for me, I don't think the prices are right on Burnley, and I'm going to keep betting them. I'm getting 6-1 to one on a team that I feel can win the match. I'm going to bet them every time. I'm not going to deviate away because for me, I think I'm putting my money in on the right side. And that's, that's the debate, isn't it? Is, is there value on a losing ticket? And, you know, I've gone back and forth in this. And... Yes, if you know what to do with it, but I can give you a million to one. And if I say you can't hedge on, you know, the New York Jets to win the Super Bowl, then is there really value on it? And again, I know that's kind of going off in a completely different direction, but that's <laughs> it's funny you, you bring that up. It's yes and no. Yes, if you know what to do with it, um, because you can hedge from week one and, and you know and so on to make money in that scenario, but yeah, value's a thing, and it's a very real thing within college basketball as well, being a spread sport. But what I want to talk about is you know, like when a, a program like Arizona who just gets, you know, somebody like Brandon Williams, that's a huge deal, right? It's a huge get, you know, a comp, uh, these programs like Duke that continue to get these number one prospects. There's none of that within these small time schools. And I don't say that there's none of that, but you know, cause you may be looking at the best case scenario is the best player in the state that wants to stay close to home. Um, and again, I'm not even sure that those type of schools could get the best player in the state uh, outside of maybe some off the court or, or, you know, character issues, whatever the case may be, but there's no really, I don't say there's no game film to be able to watch. And, you know, again, you can go and fire up YouTube right now and look at Brandon Williams highlight tape and you can kind of scout off that and go and, and do what you need to do. But how do you, again, and I know college basketball is so different because there's so much turnover every single year. And even with these small time programs that are keeping seniors routinely for four years, it does give you a little bit of a longer leash and a little bit of a more ability to bet these programs consistently instead of the one and done blue blood programs. But how can you handicap players or do you just say, you know what, I can't, so I'm going to handicap the program and how they players fit into it i think it's more system you know the schematic offense or defense that they run you know most of the time i'm going to give the coach the leash that he has done the right 
job in picking the right players. And look, most of the players this level are good enough to play at this level. It's really about the system that they're playing in and does it work or not against the opposing team. I think for me, I'm more inclined to like these smaller schools because they are keeping players for four years. They know the system. Uh, they understand it. And I think you can also, you know, just kind of capping the transfer market and understanding where certain players are going and, and being plugged in. Listen, that's one of the reasons I don't really like some of the bigger schools because I do every year have to, you know, they're totally different teams and the cohesion's always off. We saw it with Kentucky all season. The cohesion was just never there for them. And that, that's kind of always a problem. But I, I don't really, it doesn't, the personnel is not really that big a deal. I mean, th there's always going to be personnel. It's just, do they fit right into that coach's system? And, you know, how does that work for them, you know, long term? I don't know if I answered the question. And, and it's a, you've asked some really good questions that, you know, I've never thought about some of these, but for me, it's just about No, the question was just, is it system or is it players? Because in the NBA, it's, it's players. And, you know, yeah, these big-time college schools that get these these blue-bud transfers, it's players. Um, and the system plays a part of it, but with these senior, you know, with these small-time schools, you know, Sam Houston State, Stanford, Leahy, UC Davis, all these play, uh, uh, New Hampshire, all these people, all these places, they're usually um, having their stars, you know, quote-unquote stars, or their best players at least, stay for four years. So does that make it more of a system play because you have more familiarity um, with players because you can handicap them and you have more game film for four years rather than a one and done because the Kansas or the North Carolina or the Duke that's coming in this year or the, even in the Arizona isn't the same team that just played last year. Sure. However, the uh, Wagner team may be the same. They may return 11 players and that may be the exact same team in the exact same system so you know what you're getting. So does that make life a little bit easier knowing that you have you know at least a three to four year uh, personnel, you know, less of an overhaul type of thing? I, I think it does, but they see the the problem you're getting now is, you know, the transfers are so huge in college bass for some of these big programs. I mean, Mark Few at Gonzaga has really made a living off of doing that over the last couple of years. I mean, you look at his teams, they're almost exclusively transfers from other schools. Mm -hmm. So what you're, what happens is some of these small market teams I'm having to do more work with because they're being plucked away from these, these groups. But no, I think, you know, it, it definitely cuts down on work. And I think coaching is obviously important. Like my main goal is to know every coach in the country because I want to know what system he runs. And generally they're going to have a bell count that team. That's obviously the best player. And you know, the guys around him are really just secondary. That's why for me, when like I'm hearing certain people talk about college bass they're like, well, this guy's out. And it's like, well, dude, like you do know they have like 12 other people they can plug in and they're pretty much the same player. Um, you know, look, if I find a team where, I don't know. Let's say South Dakota State, Mike Dom is injured, and that's going to affect that team considerably because they have a bell cow guy that's their best player. That when he goes out, the whole team just kind of falters. Uh, I think for me, it's more about the coach and making sure he's still there. Um, and and I think that's kind of the starting point for me, going through every team and saying, oh well, uh, Derek Kellogg left UMass and now he's at LAU Brooklyn. He's going to take that fast up tempo style and go over to that team. Um, and, and the player's just kind of filling around it. Uh, there are certain cases, like I said, where that star player, if he goes out, the whole bottom falls out. But um, generally for me at the lower levels, it's more about the system and are those coaches still there? All right, brother. So finally, I want to talk about the enjoyment level because what we've kind of noticed with the inside doing this, this is probably the eighth or ninth uh, niche handicapping series that we've done in small market stuff is the issue is getting betters to bet what they necessarily don't or can't watch, right? And I don't know if there's a lot of people that want to watch the Big Sky, the Big South, the Colonial, <laughs> um, the Independence, the Ivy League, you know, Missouri Valley, Northeast stuff, all that stuff. I mean, does anyone want to sit down on a Friday night instead of um, Texas Tech and Texas watch, um, I don't know, Howard play Hampton, you know? So what would you say to people that, you know, maybe – I don't know how I even want to word this, but they can't watch it. They don't want to watch it. Um, or just, you know, how do they kind of get over that hump of, you know, betting on, you know, 18 year old kids in South, in, um, you know, how, yeah, Howard or South care, you know, whatever it is that, um, the product is, you know, for lack of a better term, this is, if you enjoy the disaster that is the Mac, um, you know, kind of make that parallel or, and, you know, in terms of Mac football, that, which is a, another degeneracy that I love. Uh, but you know, how does the kind of, you know, the product not being as good as crisp kind of affect things and, you know, for as, as far as uh, enjoyability goes. I, I think though, for, for me though, and what I would say to that question is, I, I think that's really, when you look at sports betting as a whole, if you're betting on sports because it's on TV, I, I think that's just a general quality that isn't 
something you want to do in any sport. I think you have to get past the whole, if I can't watch on TV, I'll be real with you. Most of the games that I bet on, I don't watch because I, I don't, it's just not how I do things. Right. I don't, I don't bet a game to watch it on TV. I bet on it if there's an edge and I can make money on it. Um, you know, all the time people hit me up. Oh, why? Why don't you have a giving on this game? No, I don't. I didn't put that out. I don't have any interest in it. Um, I, I think that's for for a better. If that's your why you don't want to bet Howard Hampton, y- you really should look at how you're doing things in general because that's uh, that's a way to degeneracy and that's a way to losing a lot of money. Just betting because you know it games on tv and you want to have a skin in on it um that that's a, a much bigger issue i think that you have to kind of get through before you know and, that, and we all deal with it i remember christian i mean you've been doing this a long time i've been doing this since i was like 14 you know i bet parlays i bet i i used to bet 50 dollars reverses every every weekend <laughs> little you know? a&r action that's- for you no, yeah, I mean, all that stuff is there. I mean, you have to get past it as a – and that's what – it's it's about life in general. You're going to do stuff when you were a kid that you don't do as an adult. It's just about getting through those points and getting to the pinnacle. And I'm not saying I'm at the pinnacle. Uh, I'm very happy in what I do, and I can bet a game that's not on TV. I, I, but I generally do enjoy basketball as a whole. I think you have to really also kind of enjoy what you're doing. You know, If you don't like – um, hockey, you're just betting it because it's on TV. Um, that that's that's not a way to make money, and I think that's any better will tell you that. Whether they're a sharp, a, you know, any kind of better that wins on a regular basis, they'll all tell you that. Um, you can't just bet stuff because it's on TV. But I have a general love for basketball. I'll be honest with you, man. I watch a ton of high school basketball locally in Philadelphia because. I know those kids are going to the next level. I want to have a, a head up on those kids when they go to Duke or Kentucky or or, 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 or Wagner, wherever they go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that plays a lot of part too. I go watch uh, mostly every year. I go watch Coppin State play Morgan State because for me, I think the atmosphere is awesome. It's in the middle of Baltimore. It's gritty. It's you know, it's just – it's awesome. There's nothing better than that to me in the winter going to watch basketball. And I just have a true passion for it. And I think that's kind of why I love it and I never – you know, I want to do anything else. It, it, and I think you have to have that. You know, you look at all these people you've interviewed. I think one thing I've noticed throughout all the people, and I don't like wrestling. I don't get the love affair with it. But I think the guy you had on, he loved it. You know, Brady Cannon. I was just going to say Brady Cannon was a, the one that came yeah, through the most like, for me. To have fun, man. That's it. Passion. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can find these stiffs that think they're sharp because they sit in their office and do this and that. At the end of the day, I mean – um, they probably hate their life and um, you know that kind of stuff. So for me, I, you know, I don't really give a shit about that. I love it. For me, I'm I think I'm good at it, and I want to share that with the the rest of the people. Absolutely. And you did this the past year. You put out basic, you put out every basketball play for free, right on Twitter. I did. Yeah. Um, for me, that was a cool way of 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 kind of because uh, I have touted before. I'm not saying I won't ever tout again, but mm-hmm. I've. Um, for me, I wanted to share that with everybody. I have a show that I do, and I have different stuff that I do. And for me, I think it was a cool way of giving back to the people. And you know what's amazing, Christian? I still get shit on the internet. Of course you um, do. Every, free, that, every free handicapper does that. I will never understand why. Because could, if a tout sells you something, and it, it yeah. if a tout sells you something as a paying client and it loses, you have a right to voice that. But as a free guy that's just giving out what they are personally playing, they're not telling you to play it. They're just saying, this yeah, is what I'm playing. I don't like I had a guy today reach out to me and said, uh, your, your soccer plays aren't good. And I, I'm thinking to myself, well, listen, dude, like I don't have to put this stuff. I'm just sharing this with you. If you want to bet it, that's your business. Like I'm just putting out what I'm personally on. But I, I think, you know, that's another show. And, and I could go on for hours about who should or shouldn't sell plays. Um, that, that's a long story. But um, but yeah, no, I did it for free. It, it worked out for a lot of people and made a lot of money. And um, it really grew my my personal profile. So, um, for me, you know, I, I want to be known as the guy that that's good at college basketball and people are going to come back and frequent what I'm doing and kind of prop me up. This is the internet age, man. You right. got to take advantage of that kind of stuff. You know, it's all about exposure, man, growing that brand. But, yeah. um, anything else, man, I want, um, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to plug everything you have going on within the space in a minute, but, um, just anything that for you would say to kind of, you know, if, Anything that you wish somebody would have told you when it comes to betting, you know, the Ivy League, the Mideastern, all these small-time schools is kind of a day one kind of foot in the door, um, you know, type of way to get started or, you know, mistakes and things you've learned along the way. Again, I know you touched on the parlays and everything, but just anything to get people started and kind of anything else you want to touch within these uh, small-time Division I, uh, FCS, D1, AA uh, type schools. 
I think the big thing would be don't just jump in head first. I kind of liken it to a, a diet, which I've failed at multiple times. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you go to a gym, Christian, and you haven't worked out in six months and you go there immediately and start running on a seven, I mean, you're going to be done within three minutes. I mean, you're going to crap out and you're going to be done. You might even have a medical problem. You know, I, I think that's important with college basketball. If you're someone that bets NFL a ton and you jump into college basketball head first, you're going to lose. I mean, you, you can't do that. You have to understand and put the time in now. You know, when you're instead of, you know, out going like I don't drink Christian. I don't I don't do any of the party stuff anymore. For me, I think you really have to dedicate your life to something to be good at it. And I like I said, dedicate my life to it. You know, instead of going out for an hour or two at night, take that time and watch something. You know, listen to press conferences. I listen to these radio stations all around the country because, you know, I read Us magazine because I want to find little things, not necessarily with college basketball, but just in in general about sports that I don't know. Think if you would have had the info that Matt Harvey was an emotional wreck because his girlfriend broke up with him the <laughs> night before the game. Right. Think if you had that info, you'd have made a ton of money. Reading that stuff, you know, putting your whole you know mind into it. I would just say don't jump into it head first and just pick things off. Find a couple teams, start yourself out small, and work yourself up to, to betting more and more. Don't. Don't jump on the treadmill and run on a seven right away. Walk a little bit and then run. Better advice may have never be said, my brother, but I want to give you an opportunity. Plug everything that you have going on, where people can find you. Um, I know you have uh, the multiple shows you're on, uh, your Twitter, absolutely everything that you have going on. Yeah, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you, pro- you know, If you don't follow me, do it, at Jeff Nadu. I might offend you. You might not like what I have to say, but I think at the end of the day, I, I wanted to develop Christian early on. I'm who I am. I don't sit by a computer. I'm going to be out there every day, regardless of what happens. And I think that's kind of something I can be proud of. But yeah, you can find me there. I'm also on Sportsbook Review every day. I have a show at 10 a.m. I do multiple shows on that uh, platform a lot. They've really given me a nice opportunity. They were the people that gave me a shot to do a video a day. I worked myself up and now they let me do shows for them, which might be smart or not. I don't know. But um, <laughs> you can find me there every day. I also do One some other One way to find things. out. Yeah, I do some other things as well. I have a, a podcast at night with uh, Blackjack Fletcher. He works at the Action Network, Viva La Vegas. I have a lot of different things that I'm doing. I'm just trying to stay relevant and uh, you know, kind of keep it up. And I'm working on my college hoops. So if you ever have a question, reach out. I'll try to give you my best answer. Uh, Christian, I really like what you're doing here. This is a really good idea. I think it's really important as well. And um, you know, salute to you, man. I appreciate it, brother. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on on your Sunday, man, with a full MLB slate and, of course, taking away from uh, your college basketball research, brother. So, again, thank you so much. And, again, find him on Twitter, at Jeff Nadu. Um, and that will do it for this week's Inside Vegas, which is starting to wrap up the uh, niche handicapping series. Uh, next week will probably be the last one if it um, – I guess there may still like to be a uh, wrap-up show with just kind of everything that's been learned over the past nine episodes of different markets. And again, I'll, I'll touch into uh, everything that we've learned on this one as well as all the others as far as takeaways, how you can make some extra money doing markets that maybe you don't watch. And that's the biggest thing right now. And again, just because you don't want to sit there and watch Illinois State and Youngstown State doesn't mean that there's not an edge and just there to give you one. So again, check them out on Twitter. Uh, Big Man on Campus, again, uh, thank you so much, brother, and we'll talk later. Thank you, Cuz. Appreciate it.